This is Bragg, the son of Balan, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a Lotro podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle-earth. are lit. Lotro calls for aid. And Brog shall answer. Aman Gungadin, somewhere in the foothills of Far Orient, winter is coming. Wait, wrong epic fantasy series. Welcome back to Light the Beacons, the only Lotro podcast that dares to say, Wagandor forever! This is episode number 96, which is like an upside down Never mind. Uh, Got to keep that PG rating. I am your host, Bragg of the Lonely Mountain, the Sultan of Shield Swipe, the Earl of Agro, Howling Warrior, and Dwarf of Ill Repute, broadcasting live from temporary LTB MEWHQ, far from Ferrothelion, in Keel's home. Yes, I'm in Keel's home. As a matter of fact, I am more specifically in the secret room in Keel's home, which is kind of tucked behind. Geez. His dad really let this place go to waste. I've never seen spiderwebs. Well, I have. I've seen plenty of them, but not in, like, someone's house. Like, how long has it been since someone lived here? All right, so if we're going back into the secret room, the whole uh, room is bathed in blue light. Someone spent a good amount of time carving kind of an octagon-shaped room, uh, which has, uh, obviously, frescoes. And the side walls, they almost look like chalkboards. And there's uh, a poem of sorts written in Kudzul uh, on the various panels surrounding the room, which I hear has been translated, and so we will talk about it a bit later. In the center of the room, there's a raised dais with a uh, little nook end table where the book, uh, Black Book of Mordor formerly resided. And uh, around the, the raised dais, there's like uh, chains, like it's suspended from the ceiling. It kind of makes it look like the whole thing could either be raised or lowered. Be kind of cool maybe if later on we find there's a mechanism to like drop us down into some fiery chasm, sort of like, uh, you know, the guy they plunge into the volcano in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, or perhaps up into the stratosphere, you know, the ceiling opens and it's sort of a young Frankenstein situation with uh, lightning bolts coming down to power it. But that's what it kind of looks like to me. Uh, anyway, it's, uh, you know, the whole blue thing with the spider webs and the chains coming from the ceiling and the uh, the dwarvish writing almost looking like it's kind of glowing around the different panels. It's a pretty neat location. Why are we here? We'll talk about that a little later. But if we want time to do that, uh, we better move on. Oh, by the way, I thought I'd mention, I hope you guys enjoyed the Super Bowl. Uh, being a Rans fan, I don't want to talk about it. The wounds are still too fresh. So let's move on to our next beacon instead. A review of our agenda. As usual, first we got to deal with a lot of CR, A, and P. Corrections, retractions, and apologies from last week. Last time out, we offended Winterstith Raiders, uh, the Variag, and Producers Letter Writers. 
And to everyone else that was offended or misinformed, we offer a solemn and very heartfelt sorry. Uh, let's talk about viewer comments. Uh, first of all, did we have any iTunes reviews this last time out? No, the last review of the podcast was still left by Pum de Air on August 14th of 2018, and he still has our high score hanging in there for almost six months now. As usual, if you want to join this pittance of reviewers, then you can just leave me a one-star review on iTunes, or alternatively, if you should so choose, you can put a palantir under your pillow and dream your review on any night with a waxing gibbous moon, and your messages shall be received loud and clear. Uh, viewer feedback. Hey, you know you're not viewers, so uh, I guess there's none. Community spotlight. Uh, after being pointed in the correct direction by Lotro players, I found a wiki article on the translations uh, from the wiki for the Song of Thafar Gathol. And it sounds like the dwarf in question might have had a bit of a lisp, since he's talking about the Song of Thafar Gathol. Um, but it is an epic poem, so this was translated by... Uh, a series of people. Uh, if you look at the thread, it looks like there are a number of folks working on it. Obviously, the Duaro scholar was involved as well, which gives it an air of authenticity. And um, part of the translation is taken directly from one of the books that you can collect the pages of in-game, which tells the Song of the Fargathol. I believe it's the Rust pages, but... Rust-stained pages, but I'm not 100% sure on that. But that's only part of it, and uh, it covers maybe two or three of the panels, and the others were the additional verses of the poem. And in case you haven't heard them, I thought maybe I could read them out loud on the, sh on the program for everyone to enjoy. So let me take a sip of my uh, uh, beverage of choice. Ah, that's a nice porter coming from the... Um, the fanged pit of Moria. Uh, it's got a little bit of a mushroom tinge to it, but uh, overall solid. Okay, the song of Thafar Gathol. The harps sing loud, the fires burn low. Our thoughts now stray too long ago, when in the north and far away, the anvils rang neath mountains gray. In olden days, when all was sundered, our sires left strongholds wrecked and plundered, and hewed new homes far under stone to carve a kingdom of their own. With iron fists and hammers strong, they ruled a realm of starried song, the glittering mines and glimmering hall of peerless proud Thafar Gathal. O oh, reaches rich with gem and ore, resplendent runes writ on the door, O oh, kingly crown of ruby wrought, the forge fires burning ever hot. Beryl, bloodstone, sapphire, sards, darkest onyx, diamond hard, golden garnet filled their hordes and shone upon their shimmering swords. Yet tales they tell of greater treasure, matchless wealth past mind and measure, mighty mithril blazing bright that drenched the darkened depths with light. The harps grow still, the embers dim, our ballads glad grow black and grim, for in the north and far away, our days drew short neath mountains gray. Now heed and hearken as I speak of times that turned from blith to bleak. F fast and fearful came the fall of fair forlorn Thafargathal. 
For in the dimness of the deep, And shadow's shape did stir from sleep, He woke the wormkin well past number, Avowing to avenge his slumber. With clutching claws and baleful breath, The dragon dealt out doom and death, And when their wanton wrath had waned, No relic of those halls remained. Ere since our stock have sought, For trace or track, unearthing naught, We've delved new dwellings looking for lore, Yet failed to find those halls of yore. We searched and scoured and serpents slew, But now our folk are tired and few, And still it bids beyond recall, Lonely lost Lathar Gathal. The harps are gone, the fires are out, The shathers, shadows gather all about, Yet from the north and far away, Still sounds the song of mountains gray. King or common, fool or clever, It lures us always, tempting ever. Brothers, can you hear the call of long-lamented Thafar Gathal? Yes, I, I self-snapped, I have to admit. That was a self-snapping. I'm not sure if that's called for. It's just, see, you know, it's not, my, it's not my work. I'm snapping for someone else. I'm not snapping for my performance of the work. I'm snapping for the quality of the work in general. That is some quality poetry. It's well done. Um, interested to know uh, of who that can be ascribed to. One would think perhaps made of lions, but who knows who might have contributed. Um, that is a, a solid ode to be included in a game of this this size and scope. And uh, I wanted to say that uh, if you look at the work the translators translators put into. Uh, interpreting it, um, there was a lot of effort that went into it, both in trying to figure out some of the uh, some of the alphabet that was inscribed on the walls, which is not always easy to interpret, and then to you know put the right uh, cast and feel into the words and translate them in some cases from a rough dwarvish into English. Not an easy task, uh, but the end product is quality. I do enjoy the poetry, and I wanted to call attention to it and call it out here on my podcast so i hope you enjoyed that let's move on now to the forums uh have been looking at the forums lately there's been some pitchforks there's been a few gaslight fires um there's a lot of concern over the class revamps of course that are going on uh and some hand wringing over the fact that the producer's letter has not yet been produced it's probably like the non-producer's letter the non-production the there's something in there somewhere and also some discussion of the fact that crashing to desktop is a bit of phenomenon of late and uh, one wondering if the new texture caching options that premiered with the last upgrade might help in that score. So I can say that I have been having a lot of trouble with crashing to desktop lately and uh, not as much with hitching and rubber banding. So if you turn on the cache, it's supposed to uh, probably contribute, it saves memory i'm sorry it takes memory up uh and takes out swapping so it deals it helps deal with rubber banding and hitching at the cost of potentially taking up more memory that could cause you a crash to desktop so since crashing to desktop is a larger issue for me i have not enabled it uh as a matter of fact last week i was trying to log in on my lore master uh in dale and I think three or four straight logins, I crashed to desktop within 10 seconds of being in the game. Didn't even have a chance to do anything. So 
Uh, the only thing I could think to do was to turn the graphics down to low in the login screen before I even went into game. And that did enable me to do some things, although I'm getting tired of looking at the landscape on low graphics. So I jacked up to medium today to see if I can find uh, a happy medium, so to speak. But uh, yeah, uh, just, you know, who knows what causes these things to start suddenly occurring from update to update where I wasn't having any troubles. You know, I was maybe crashing the desktop once a week or something like that. And all of a sudden it was happening two or three times a day, uh, which is pretty darn annoying. So, um, you know, still holding out hope that maybe a 64-bit client might help. But uh, other than that, just trying to find a stable base right now that I can use from a configuration standpoint so I'm not wiped out in the middle of some important instance or raid fight, potentially. Uh, so that's what's been going on in the forums. In this week's action-packed episode, we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been doing in-game these past few weeks. We're going to take a look at the latest release note highlights from 23.2. We'll spend a little bit of time talking about the ultimate tribute of an online community or kin. A story that I think will stick with you as it stuck with me. And if there's any time remaining, we will start over at the beginning. But if we want to have time for that, we better get moving. On to our third beacon of Nardal. Nardal. Alright, so what's going on this week in gaming and or other Tolkien news? Uh, let me see, I have been playing a little bit of Clash of Clans lately as you guys heard. Or may have heard, I did get an Eagle Artillery deployed finally. One of the most uh, feared weapons in the game. Yes, it is awesome. Uh, there are a few things I've learned about it, though, that I didn't know before I had one. Uh, you know, it caused me to read up on a bit, and then uh, you know, most of the uh, clans that I am getting an opportunity to battle now have one deployed, so it, it pays to know a little bit more about it. Uh, the biggest thing being that um, it only starts firing when a certain number of uh, troops have been deployed uh, onto the map so until you reach that threshold it uh, it stays sheathed so uh, in some cases it does make sense to try to come up just short of that number and let your troops penetrate and see if maybe they can get inside the ring of the eagle artillery because there's a ring close around it wherein it can attack uh, things that are within that circle so if you can work your way towards it and get within that ring before deploying a predominance of your troops and triggering it, it can help you. Usually that's very difficult to do. Most people put it right at the center of their map and making it difficult. Um, it does priority target golems if you have them out there. So they will at least take a few blows um, and go down before it starts sniping on some of your others. But typically it goes for the highest hit points first. So that would... Uh, put heroes next on its target typically and then giants and so forth and uh, it does splash um, everything around it so it pays to space out your mobs a bit more and not to have them concentrated in one particular spot or you might get uh, you know half of them wiped out with one big stroke so um, those are some of the things I've learned about Eagle Artillery they're kind of interesting I did play a little bit of Star Trek online this past week um, I think it was probably once again when the Lotro servers were down for a fix. I logged in and did a mission called Sunrise where I was dealing with a dying star in the Bajor sector near DS9 and the Tholian webs that surrounding it. And, uh, you know, this was a triumph for me on several levels. I figured out how to navigate to Deep Space Nine, which is not easy for me given how much I play the game. Um, I was able to pick up someone there. 
uh, go out to do uh, some anal analysis of the dying star and its sector that it's in. Uh, there was some ground combat involved. There was some space combat involved. There was an interesting storyline about what was happening to the star and, and um, some people that had time shifted there to try to prevent and or accelerate its demise. And I actually completed the quest and got a few rewards, which I could use immediately to upgrade my ship and or ground crew. Uh, again, I don't play a lot, so uh, finding tasks that are near level, which are doable for me, um, getting a little bit more confidence that that's possible. Um, so one thing I learned about the quest is that it's long, and one of the things I was worried about was, geez, if I have to log off and I'm not done, will it preserve my progress, or will I have to start over from scratch? I don't know the game well enough to know that for sure. So I did just complete it uh, just to make sure that I wouldn't lose my place, but maybe if I get a shorter quest in the future, I'll... I'll try to leave and see if it gets preserved or if I have to start over. Um, I think I upgraded my phasers from Mark IV to five or six, maybe. That should help, right? I got a skill point, and I achieved level 23 commander. I think everybody at the game is at cap level, which is like 50 or 60, something along those lines. So... Um, just uh, just trying to tick off a quest every now and again and sort of meander through and see if what catches a spark and what I like and what I don't like and etc. Uh, what else? I've still been playing a lot of Spider-Man for the PS4 I'm about 50% through that story and it continues to be super fun, especially the cutscenes that are part of what I'd call the epic quest line. Uh, Teen Dwarfs continuing to play Breath of the Wild. Uh, no Dungeons and Dragons of late. Everyone's back to school, busy with stuff. Uh, but there are more games on the horizon if I can break away from Lotro to play long enough, including Monster Hunter, Super Mario Odyssey, Donkey King Country, Tropical Freeze, and uh, maybe I'll get into Breath of the Wild myself. But right now I'm focused on finishing off Spider-Man if possible, and I'll have to decide whether I want to move on to the next PS4 game or uh, go back and finish Bioshock. I don't like leaving games half done. And I think I got about two-thirds of the way through that game. I might be able to push through it with a couple weekends of play and finish it off, which would be nice. So probably the plan. What's been going on from a movies and TV standpoint? Last week I watched Skyscraper, which was the rock vehicle that came out recently. Kind of a combination of, for you guys in the 70s, The Towering Inferno and Die Hard. Put those two together and you've got Skyscraper. Yes, it stretched the imagination a little bit, but it was slick to look at and had some fun parts and sections and I did enjoy it. Uh, also, based on viewer feedback, I, uh, I did move along to Mr. Robot as the TV series I'm trying to digest or binge uh, you know, with a, an episode or two a week at this point. And I believe I just finished off season one, which had a nice little twist at the end I didn't see coming. And uh, this is one of the smartest shows I've seen out there. Uh, these guys are a level above as far as uh, what they're working on from a writing perspective. So it's been fun. I do, uh, I do like a lot of things about it. And uh, it's keeping it interesting. Some good performances there. Um, from a movie standpoint, a whole bunch of stuff pending. Some stuff i got to cram in before the Oscar race hits, including Green Book and uh, Roma and uh, maybe Can You for can you Ever Forgive Me? And from a non-Oscar perspective, uh, Widow's Bumblebee and, of course, Captain Marvel and the Avengers Endgame are right around the corner. Plus, I've heard good things about the Lego 2 movie that came out this past weekend. And uh, that is on the priority list as well. I'd like to see that in the theaters if possible based on what I heard. Uh, it should be very good. 
course, my vote for Best Picture of the Year at this point is not in the right category. It is premiering in the animated film um, category for the Oscars, and that is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which I think is my favorite f movie of the year. So still a couple Oscar contenders that I have not, uh, have not had a chance to look at yet, which might knock it off the perch, but uh, right now that is still stands as my pick. Uh, from a book standpoint, Tokyo's Unfinished Tales, still haven't finished. What's going on in the Lotro the last couple weeks? Well, the producer's letter is still outstanding, and the last we heard from Cordovan, he said uh, the only commitment he made is that it would be out before March. So I expect it maybe sometime next week, which means this podcast will hopefully hit before it uh, does, and in my next time I have a chance to comment on the plans for Lotro going forward. What have I been doing in-game? Well, Bragg is sitting at level 20 and decided it was time to maybe give a shot at the Howling Pit. So I got some time in-game uh, last weekend. Called for a couple people that were interested, and off we went. I think we had a minstrel, uh, myself being a guardian, and a warden who uh, took DPS stance. And the thing that we struggled with was I had... Light of Arendel, I think, at about 120 to 140, somewhere in that range. And I was told uh, by the Warden, who had done it with another tune, that I kind of absolutely had to have 180 at a minimum uh, for him to even be willing to try it. He said, more than likely, we'll get killed in the final boss fight, which happens to a lot of people. But you need 180 plus in order to even give it a shot. So I did, uh, you know, unfortunately, this is Brag is the tune where I threw out a lot of my Light of Arendel gear, but I did find um, a, an off cloak where I could sub in two Light of Arendel essences and an off uh, bow and arrow I'd kept that had four or five on it and maybe one other piece that I could swap out a bracelet. And I got myself up to 184, which we thought was good enough to at least give it a try. Um, so if you've, you know, even at 184 Light of Arendel, um, people were telling me I was going to get one shot by the boss. The hardest he hit me for in the final in the final fight, the final wave, the final boss, was about 65k at one point. Which is, you know, Bragg is sitting at 165k morale overall, so that's a pretty hefty hit. Uh, but it's not quite half of my morale. And uh, I do think in other circumstances, we had a chance at this. Maybe if I'd knew, known the... Um, if I'd known the instance a little better and or had a little better strategy, we might have been able to pull it off. Or maybe if our DPS was a little faster. So having a warden as DPS was certainly, um, you know, made him a little hardier, right? Harder to lose. Um, you know, I didn't have to worry about one or two mobs going off and getting on him, right? Because he can take that kind of damage. But I think his DPS was a little bit slow, which hurt us, especially in that final fight. So here's what's going on in the Howling Pit. Um, waves of ads come at you. I'd say there's, uh, let's say, three phases. And each phase has maybe three waves or four waves. Uh, there'll be one where a bunch of Darklings come, one where a bunch of World Eaters come, one where a bunch of World Eaters combined with Tentacles come, and then one other kind of a random hodgepodge of a bunch of stuff. And uh, it starts out pretty easy, you know, simple to handle, not a big deal. Uh, the biggest problem with this instance is that it takes time. Uh, it takes time to go through the waves. There's a little pause in between each one, which is nice because you can refresh on food and or res someone uh, if you need to, which is fine. But uh, it's kind of slow. And the big problem is 
yeah, there were probably one or two waves in the second or third phase where, you know, things got kind of dicey. Uh, in one or two instances, one of us died. But in this instance, you can actually retreat and come back in right as long as all three of you haven't died. Uh, one or two of you are still carrying on the fight. You'll reappear into the fight and just re reinsert yourself back in combat without an issue. So uh, don't sit around waiting for a res, but uh, retreat right away, typically, um, if you're out of reses at least. Uh, you know, it's nice to, to use a res because you don't necessarily lose, well, you do lose all your buffs and food and everything. But um, yeah, so if, if you do retreat, you'll come back right on the island. And if, as long as the fight's active, you should be able to keep, just keep going. Uh, the pauses in between are good to refresh food and, uh, you know, cool down for your... For your uh, for some of your heavier skills what I like to do as a guard is coming into a new wave um, just as all the creatures converge on me to hit guardians pledge uh, you know in order to kind of withstand the worst of the battering uh, given that the largest numbers are there and hopefully by that time that wears down we've killed one or two of the mobs and we don't have to quite uh, have that kind of uh, intensity in terms of um, of the DPS being done against us so the problem is that the final boss is tough. Um, he's got a bunch of darklings chasing him around, and we failed on the final boss. Uh, I got uh, I got hit, and before I could retreat and come back, um, the other two got killed as well, and and the instance reset. The problem is, I'd say. 90% of the instance is pretty easy. It just takes time. So the biggest problem is you have to run all through that garbage content to get back to the last fight, which is really the only part that's super challenging or should be if you're well geared. Um, so it's kind of, you know, I didn't even want to try it again because it would have taken like at least, I'd say, 40 minutes to get to that final boss fight, you know, to fight through all the waves to get there. So I kind of wish there was a a way to save your progress with the phases at least you know maybe maybe start on phase three right the last three waves as opposed to having to go through phase one and phase two um if you you know in the same play session uh so it would be nice to have a uh you know a, basically a raid lock on it that would be active uh which would allow you just to start that you know the final three phases as opposed to starting from scratch and I did read later that the final boss is kind of slow, so it's possible that he can be kited. Uh, maybe at least until, you know, if, if you're able to kite him in circles with the Darklings trailing you, maybe the uh, DPS, if they're ranged, could pick off the Darklings until they were all gone, and then maybe you could stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with the boss without the extra Darklings pitching in. I think that would probably be the strategy that I would try next time. Um, of course, if you win, you get the Goldrum Mushroom Pendant from Grerich, uh, which no one knows what it's for since it has no description and no stats on it. But I imagine it's probably like an Isengard necklace where you can modify it later or use it to modify something else uh, to get a nice piece of gear because it is gold. So I do imagine at some point I'll be trying the Howling Pit again with Bragg. And uh, you know maybe I'll be looking for one more light of arendal piece to get up into the 190s uh just to get a little hardier for that final fight um what else about the howling pit i actually had fun with it uh except for the fact that we failed and it was really long so i didn't want to run it again so uh we'll see you know keep your light of arendal gear if you haven't tried it yet just so that you can swap back into it if needed and what else is bragdon he did a uh level 120th Merdane run. Oh, I know what I did. I, I tried a, 
So if you're doing Than Merdain, um, the lowest level you can do it on to get uh, one of the, you know, you run at a cap level, you get one, uh, you get one chest. If you run it at lower level tier, you get another chest. And the lowest level you can run it at and get that second chest is 112. So just for funsies, I tried a level 112 Than Merdain run where I tried to pull everything in the entire courtyard with my uh, red line guard in one pull. And I was really close to surviving the entire thing. It was it was really close. I had my cooldowns just right. I knocked guys down. I was DPSing. Um, and I was like, oh, the, all these guys are falling. I think I'm going to make it. They're all dead. And then I looked and... Uh, there were about eight archers in a cluster like down the stairs that were just ranging me. <laughs> I think if I'd actually dragged all the melee mobs over to the archers and hit them simultaneously, I probably would have survived the fight. But uh, yeah, I was almost dead and then the eight archers before I could run over to them finished me off. So uh, I'll try it again at some point. But it's, uh, it was easy to finish up and a level, level 112 Thammerdain. Uh, if you have a level 122, it's an easy thing to solo uh, for most classes, uh, which will at least get you a couple scrolls of empowerment uh, faster than you can get them by running Minas Tirith dailies. So you might want to try that, give that a shot. Of course, if you run a threesome, you do cap level and 112 and both really quick. So uh, that's another way to go as well. So my mini is uh, Master Cook of the Iron Fold. Finally got around to crafting... Um, Crafting some food and getting him finished with his crafting for Ironfold Cook. Uh, some of the boosts in there are pretty darn nice. Um, a significant upgrade, obviously, over the Doomfold stuff. Uh, my mini completed the Arid Mithrin content and uh, also finished the Skarhold Daily Instance Run deeds uh, to the point where, like, all the Slayer deeds within the resource instances were completed. Just got that done today and had enough tokens to pick up a pair of teal pants. So I have both of the teal items or uh, armor items that you can get just from the marks of the long beards so primarily going forward it'll be saving those marks of the long beards in order to get uh duero what are they called dwarf iron duero iron um pieces basically that are used for crafting you need one of them each for each piece of jewelry that you do so my jeweler is my captain, and he has the, for example, I think he bought the bracelet recipe or the earring recipe. I think it was the earring recipe. And each earring requires a Dwarrow Gleam shard, of which I have you know, six or seven of those, so not a problem. But one of these um, dwarf iron fragments, which are um, barterable for 100 marks of the longbeards. So every 100 marks of the longbeards, you can get um, one of these one of these crafting components and you can make a piece of jewelry along with the other things that are required for it. And uh, I have a number of um, jewelry pieces I need across the tunes that are at cap level at this point. So that's what I'll be working on when I have the time to do uh, the Scarhold Instance dailies. Um, I completed Minas Tirith dailies on my mini to max my uh, legendary items. Uh, they're all at tier 79 now. And I may continue going with those for just a little bit longer with my mini to get to celebrated rep uh, in Minas Tirith because I'm close to it now. And I think it's worth 50 Lotro points to get that last tier. And uh, for the, with the Scrolls from Empowerment I earn, I can just pass them down to other alts anyway uh, because my, um, my lore master needs all they can get right now. And uh, the Minstrel is actually pretty fast running through those, uh, a little faster than the Guard and the Cappy as well, so not so bad. Um... 
So I found a pattern developing as I get tunes through the Arid Mithrin content at this point. You run resource instances until you get enough tokens to upgrade to th level 370 purple earrings, bracelets, and to get the teal pants and shoes, and maybe one of the legendary item runes that you can buy. Uh, note to self, uh, rune of binding is the one you want for your minstrel from a healing standpoint, but you can't use two of them because they're unique. You can't put one on your book and one on your um and one on your weapon so don't bother because i bought two <laughs> and they're bind on acquire so i wasted 100 tokens getting a second rune of binding for my minstrel that i couldn't use uh so keep an eye out for that um the runes are unique so you need two different ones if you're going to put one on each uh, li and then after that, you just have enough, uh, try to get enough 25 per week to trade for the embers using the weekly barter um, guy. And then you can use embers to for the other uh, barterable stuff that you need to fill out your armor gear. Uh, my minister also helped complete a Dar Nabagun run for Lotro points. <laughs> my mini had never done the Mistress of Pestilence apparently before, so... Uh, so it was cool to run through and get that real credit real quick from a deed standpoint. Uh, we did fail as a duo because we got double mezzed. The reason you can't do that fight alone as level 122 is because there are ads that come out that mez you uh, and then everybody mobs you until you're dead. Uh, I thought having two would be safe, but we got double mezzed. Two different mobs mezzed uh, each of us at the same time, so we're both sitting there with our heads lolling around and got killed. But uh, one more tune in the mix, uh, and it made it simple at that point. And afterwards, I had to go talk to Celeborn about uh, the mistress, and he pointed me to go speak to Haldir. Um, I guess from the mistress's corpse, I recovered a hilt of a corrupted weapon, and Haldir knew the original owner of it, a Cinderin hilt, that was found embedded in her flab. So there you go. Another piece of Lotro lore completed for my minstrel. Uh, I also leveled my prospecting on my mini. Uh, the last time I finished the uh, tier one crafting for prospecting for her was back in Athelion for a Norian Skarn. So I found uh, between other tunes that I had enough Anorian and Doomfold Skarn to level her prospecting up to the point where I can actually prospect in the Ironfold if I find a resource node. I don't like walking around a new area and not being able to pick every resource node that I find to find the additional crafting components. Um, you know, I don't always pick every one, but Especially in the resource instances, there's a bunch of nodes that you can find, and my mini wasn't able to pick any of them. So now she's up to speed, at least with tier one, with being able to prospect in Scarhold. Um, Got to keep scoring those Dwarrow Gleam shards. So I read with the latest upgrade that there's a DPS nerf for the minis that caused an outcry on the forums. Um, but it's supposedly it's really only bad for the mid-levels. I didn't notice a huge difference for my mini as I've been uh, traveling around with her. Maybe a little less punch on some of the higher end skills than I did have previously. So it just feels a little soft. You know, sometimes when you hit a really good skill and it gives a sound effect as it hits and there's a big punch on the mob as far as their loss of, you know, it feels punchy. And maybe it feels a little less punchy than it did before, but generally speaking, it's not too bad. And I am enjoying the instant cast for her, um, uh, for her debuff removal skill which is called, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head right now, but the minstrel skill to remove debuffs uh, previously was really slow. It was like a two or three second induction when you're trying to heal someone that's in eternity. So you, uh, you really 
didn't use them unless you absolutely had to. You would pot first and use that only as a last uh, recourse if it was urgent. Uh, otherwise, you just endure it and try to heal through it. Um, so having that as an instacast to be able to remove wounds or whatever else you might get in a raid is going to be a, a big improvement, I think. All right, my Cappy, the Fashional, also level 120, completed Minas Tirith dailies as well to max his allies at all tiers at 79. Very nice. I also crafted new armaments and banners for him uh, using my tailor and working on my tailor skills to get them iron fold ready. And a new banner added maybe, I think, 15 to 20k morale to my captain. <laughs> I didn't know it was that much or I would have done it sooner. Nice. Good bonus. Um, my captain also tanked a tier 1 Thickle Gundu instance without any serious issue. That was the first time I tanked one of the new uh, Arid Mithrin instances with my Cappy uh, in a group. I think I could probably do tier 2 based on that uh, if I had a good group with me and a good healer, uh, which is cool to know. Also tanked uh, Glimmer and Thrumfall tier 1 runs for the weekly Embers Rapper quest uh, using my Cappy all very easy. So the Caverns of Thrumfall, not sure where the group I had previously struggled. Uh, I don't know, they just, maybe the range damage wasn't good enough, and so the champ was running into melee range and then was just getting, you know, their butt handed to him. I think the, the key to that is just stay out of the melee dot range uh, at that tier and stay behind the stalagmites and range the thing down. All I had to do was keep its attention with an occasional taunt every once in a while as a tank, uh, and it was pretty easy after that. Um, I guess the higher tiers you get ads in between, but you know as long as you stay out of that uh, immediate short range fire damage, you do okay. So my lower master made level 117 today. He's next on the docket for uh, Amphalash Scrolls of Empowerment Enrichment, but he is on his way to the Iron Hills, and at level 117 should be pretty easy content for him. He's a little ahead of the curve already. Uh, my Berg is level 117 and uh, is idle, may continue to be until I hear more about the Berg revamp. So uh, the forums blew up around the DPS enhancements that came through supposedly balancing out the reveal weakness nerf. So for those of you who don't know this whole saga, uh, back in December they took away the reveal weakness uh, percentage uh, increase for damage. Uh, I think it was party... You know, it's a party-wide um, damage increase or incoming damage uh, debuff that you could put on a mob. And it, it lost like 5 or 6% of what it was before. I think it was like 11 or 12 with legacies. Now it's only 5 or 6. And that's party-wide damage, right? Not just you. It's party-wide. So it was a pretty big nerf. And they said they were going to buff all the burgers, burglars' damage around that to make them... You know, in demand in raids, since the reveal weakness nerf was the primary skill that people would uh, invite you to do in raids, typically, uh, along with um, click a quick fellowship wide debuff removal that you get in yellow line. Um, so the new DPS buffs came through, and you know they made a point of saying the changes for the burg are not done. This was a quick pass. But the new DPS buffs for the Berg, maybe stretched out, stretched out across a bunch of different skills, are maybe a 2% DPS increase for the solo line versus what they lost from Reveal Weakness. So it's not quite there yet. So people are still you know, saying it's leaving us roughly 40% 
behind hunters, arcades, and champs, and champs in the DPS scales, according to some people in the forums. I don't know if that's true or not. If it is, why would you ever invite a Berg if they're 40% behind? You know, if their primary role is DPS, and they're 40% behind behind what others can do, uh, and if their debuffs aren't as good as LMs, so it still leaves them in a precarious position. And I figure I have other tunes to level that will be in demanding groups versus the Berg, which will be left out. So he may be on the sidelines for some time still. Uh, my Hunter's forays in North Athelion have been on hold lately. I did uh, craft enough Thornholt wood uh, using him that I could uh, create the new Banner Held armaments for my Cappy. And my Bjorning's still sitting at level 108. I did hear with the latest release that his top go-to heal was nerfed by almost 40%. Ouch, might have missed the window there where they were the most powerful heal in Lotro for a little while. Um, so, but I don't normally heal groups with my Bjorning, you know, since they're not capped. So I'm not a good judge of uh, how badly off that leaves them, but it does sound significant. Uh, my Arc is level 60 and has been summoned by the Golden Host to Lothlorien. Uh, I did run a couple Mori instances with my Arc where I was healing uh, for Filgashin and 16 tall runs. No one died but me, <laughs> so I think the I think the RK heals are pretty darn solid. What I have to do is learn my own personal oh crap buttons a little better when I'm in trouble. And uh, I, I, you know, while we were running the instances, I was trying to fix my bars to make some sense to them because they hadn't been reorganized since the last time all their traits were reset. reset. You know, healing is so different on the RK, and I, I you know. I basically achieved the results needed for those instances via button mashing for the most part. Um, you know, I need to learn the intricacies of the class a little more to max out the personal heals, but I do see the potential for it. And I did, uh, coming off those two runs, have enough tokens to go and get a full set of Moria level 60 uh, top level Moria armor for, for my RK, so they should get a nice little buff uh, from that as well. My RK is also processing hides, and we'll make some mini armor pieces shortly, hopefully. Uh, Warden and High Elf been sitting on the shelves on the legendary server of Anor. Bragg is still at level 24, but my Cappy Brohim is now at level 38, I believe, at last stroke. Um, he's been basically trading back and forth between questing in Rivendell and Evendim. Uh, so I'd quest an even dim for a while, and then I'd get caught up in the epic, which would send me back to the troll shaws, and I would do that until the quests got red, and then I'd go back to even dim and do a little more questing there until they were orange or yellow, and then I'd go do a little more epic quests. So, so right now I just finished off the Legolas uh, quest against the wood trolls out of um, out of Rivendell, and they sent me north to talk to Gloin in the Misty Mountains. So I have been back to Evendim, and I am in the Eve Spars, about to take on the Guaradane and finish off the two major storylines uh, there as far as the rune markers that I've been tracing around the zone and uh, you know the stuff on the western portion of the map before heading back to Anuminas and continuing on with Epic. So level 38, you know, it, it feels... It, leveling is slow there, but only 12 levels to go to get to cap. I know a lot of people there on cap have been doing so for quite some time, but uh, I'll make a push. I think I can get there before Moria comes out if I uh, keep pecking away at it a little bit at a time. So in other Tokyo news, uh, you may have heard there's a Tokyo biopic due out this summer starring Nicholas Holt. Some of you may know him as the Beast and or of X-Men fame and or Nux from Mad Max. 
And uh, Lily Collins also stars as well as uh, Tokian's uh, fiance or bride. Um, it, it's a story that's supposed to cover the developmental years up to and including uh, World War One that were formative in his inspirations to create Middle Earth. Uh, you know, both his academic literary career as well as his war career. So uh, interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to the um, trailers on that to see how that develops and uh, how compelling it is. I'm sure it will be on the agenda as we move forward. Pretty exciting stuff from the Tokian world to keep us tied it over until the Amazon series is ready to come out in another year or two. Uh, that's enough about what I've been doing in game these past few weeks. Let's move on to the next Beacon of Aralas. All right, why don't we take a little bit of time to talk about some of the highlights from the release notes which for update 23.3, which was came out on Monday, February 4th. It was a good-sized little patch with a little bit of something for most folks that that were out there. First of all, for the hardcore raiders, the Anvil of Winterstith Tier 3 difficulty premiered. And uh, there's been a little bit of an argument over uh, the quest for hardcore raiders to post their progression through the raid and be the first ones to achieve kind of the server-wide deeds that go into completing the raid at the top tiers. So what they decided to do is to give it a limited time frame. There is now a lead the charge deed available for tier three. Um, and the tier two and tier three completion deeds will be available through March 6th. And after that time, I guess, will be retired. Uh, so I'm not sure if everybody that completes it in that time frame will get the deed or if it's only those that finish it first. I don't follow closely enough to know and or care. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be running the Raid of Winterstith on Tier 3 unless something changes mightily over the next few weeks. But I am hoping to get in on a Tier 1 Raid at some point um, with uh, folks that know what they're doing and a legitimate shot at uh, moving through the storyline there. So the other big news, a skirmish event. February 7th brings a new event, Ill Omens to Skirmishes throughout the game. Evil stirs in Minas Morgul and Harbingers of the Dead City spread across Middle-Earth. Each day, your characters will have the chance to participate in a skirmish assault, which will send them specific sets of existing skirmishes in search of dangerous new foes. Characters who complete a skirmish assault will earn a special currency that can be exchanged for new equipment and cosmetic rewards. As for the most dedicated skirmishers of Middle-earth, there are several new deeds and titles to be earned during Ill Omens. In addition, characters who complete 12 skirmish assaults while the event is active will earn a powerful cap-level statted reward, which happens to be a box of essences. So, uh, here's what's going on. First of all, there has been a reactivation of interest in skirms based on this event. So, um, they have produced the right result they were looking for. As I've said before, skirms are great content. They're fun. They're different. They're flexible. Uh, they have a change of pace. They're open for pugs, uh, you know, and people that aren't quite into hardcore rating but still want to do group play. Uh, but they can still be challenging on tier 3 and require some coordination and some good gearing. So, so as I said, the desired result has been achieved. There's been an interest in skirms. There have been a lot of people calling for them in the, uh, in the world chat. It's been fun. Uh, but I'll, already I will say it's been too much. Um, if you want to do this uh, deed to complete 12 skirmish assaults, then you have to complete a daily objective which says either run four out of five available skirms or three out of four available skirms uh, that are offered for that day. 
And for the most part, it's finishing four skirms. And four skirms, especially in larger groups, which are you know more fun and might supposedly have a chance of better rewards, uh, can take at least two hours of gameplay to finish through four skirms. Longer if you have trouble. You know, some of the skirms are shorter, some are longer, so it's a, it's a mixed bag. But people take breaks in between. You lose one or two players. You know, you've got to replace, etc., etc., etc. It's two hours easy to do four skirms on tier three. And uh, it's just a long time. I, I don't have two hours to play on most days. So that means most days I'm not going to be able to finish the skirmish assault. I was able to do it over the weekend. Uh, but I'm really going to have to kind of keep after it and look for windows to play. Uh, I, I think running three skirms in a day would have been a perfect amount. Um, you know, still something to achieve. You have to plug away at it, but not quite so painstakingly long as to have to complete four on most days in order to advance the deed. So... I think that's unfortunate, and maybe they should take a look at revising that. Uh, on top of that, I've heard one or two people report they had issues with getting credit on some skirms. Like, you're supposed to get it if you run it at cap level, tier 3, whether you're in single, duo, small fellowship, fellow, or raid. Uh, but a, someone who was with the party I was in said they duoed one the other day and got no credit. And... Uh, we did one of the skirms as a six man during the course of the skirms i was killed at least once and came back i saw the challenge deed still on my screen but when we killed the harbinger i didn't get credit so for a skirm that ran for 30 or 40 minutes uh you know we got through we we beat everything we killed the harbinger and i did not get the challenge credit on that skirm and i had to go back and complete another one so that made five for the day for me you know, i'd already had three i needed one more and the fourth one failed, so I had to run that fifth one, which was a real kick in the pants. So they got to fix that. You got to get dependable with the credit coming through on the skirms, um, you know, regardless of what configuration you're running in it. The other problem with it is outside of uh, you know the the essence that you'll get for running the meta deed, uh, the rest of the loot just sucks. It still continues to suck. <laughs> Uh, skirm loot sucks. You get basically relics, relics, runes, medallions, and marks. You know, which is like, use basically useless. Um, I think in running skirms for two and a half hours, I got one crystal, amphalas crystal, uh, amphalas crystal, starlit crystal that I could use on my weapon, and maybe one piece of gear which was not as good as what I'd already earned through dailies, and the rest was relics, runes and marks and medallions which are you know basically useless and a little bit of gold um, so the coins that you earn you'll get plenty of them you can use to buy cosmetics and pets there's two robes and three pets so you can earn those in I don't know three or four days of skirming if you're doing that much skirming um, but uh, they're not that exciting I don't even want them that much I'm thinking about saving up the coins to see if they add anything else to the vendor that I can buy in the longer term and uh, you know you maybe get a, a crystal or so every other skirm or maybe one to two pieces of gear across 12 tunes so your chances of getting what um, are next to nil and it's likely going to be something that uh, is not as good as what you have already so yeah I know marks and medallions big deal you know at least you can get some reputation accelerator scrolls um, Oh, and uh, if you thought the Icy Crevasse Tier 3 might have gotten easier, it hasn't. The first wave of ads comes out and explode, and six to seven 
tunes in your party die immediately. So I'm sure there's a mechanic in there that we're missing where you have to engage them with some kind of interrupt or take them onto the vent and move them around, whatever. Every party I've ever been in, same thing happens. As soon as the ads come in, they explode, seven tunes dead, and everyone else is done in a couple of minutes. We had already killed the Harbinger, so we just decided to move on and uh, call it a day on the Icy Crevasse Tier 3. So, again, just ridiculous uh, as far as the difficulty level of that skirm. I've never seen it. I have seen it finished in a 12-man maybe once on Tier 1 or Tier 2. Uh, but most people don't even try it that I know of because um, it just doesn't work. Uh, so, again, I think uh, revitalization of skirm's good. Work on the rewards, boys. Even if every once in a while you got a scroll of empowerment or a crystal or some decent consumable food or a stat tome, anything, you know, throw some bones. Um, even some marks and long beards or some embers that you could use to trade for gear. Even if it was just a little bit, a hundred here or a couple tokens there. Uh, something that is useful, please. All right, what else has been going on uh, in the release notes for 23.3? Bjorning's got the nerf bat. Uh, they can now use crossbows starting at level 1, which is great. Supposedly not able to shoot them out of the bear mouth anymore. It's too bad. So the Encouraging Roar Healing over time component was reduced by 15%, and its tier magnitude was reduced as well. And the Burglar got the Buff Bat, but it's still a nerf bat because people thought it would be more. Most Burglar skills received a moderate damage increase. This was the increase intended for release in a previous update. We will also be making more significant burglar, burglar changes in a future patch. So it's supposed to be a buff bat. We got a little more DPS, but it's a nerf because it's not still not equal to the what we lost from uh, reveal weakness. Minstrels got the nerf bat to solo leveling DPS, uh, but the buff bat to cap level healing that they've been hoping to see. So many minstrel skills and effects had not been previously normalized, have been updated. Uh, should result in more even experience as you level. This reduces low-level menstrual DPS to bring it more in line with other classes, so you won't be one or one or two-shotting landscape mobs anymore. But uh, the majority of your healing skills have been increased, and there's two specific ones I want to call out. First of all, as a healer, I do like ducking in to hit um, my Herald Strike. Uh, because it has some ancillary benefits, uh, it does some heals, it gives a little bit of a, a buff as well that I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, and uh, you know, when other things are on cooldown, I, I do like ducking in close to the mob's back, hitting it with the Herald Strike and backing up. And that has been, uh, the damage from doing so has been significantly increased. Uh, and it now draws its base damage from tactical as opposed to... Um, whatever else you had and it also uh, they changed it to light damage as well so it should be more effective it should be more dps and the healing from doing it has been increased significantly as well so that's cool since it's something that i'm used to doing and i like doing anyway <clears throat> the other big one is that uh our bubbles are uh, finally been made relevant hitting the uh bubble of hamel ha ha gift of the hammer hand for yourself or for someone in your party used to be next to useless. Uh, now I believe it's, where is it? I think it's 30% of max vitality, 10 to 30% uh, of max vitality from the hammer hand bubbles. So is now significant and actually worth doing. And um, 
As people were afraid of, soliloquy of spirit is no longer an immediate interrupt of skills. So if you start bolster courage or fellowship's heart and then hit, hit soliloquy of spirit in order to prematurely end the animation and let you move on to another skill quickly, that will not work anymore, unfortunately. And as I mentioned before, a story of courage uh, no longer has an induction, is now a fast skill with a short animation. So you can actually use it when you're healing to remove debuffs, which is great. Uh, Fellowship's hard cooldown has been reduced from five minutes to two minutes. So, you know, I remember back in the day, um, in the Moria days, Fellowship's heart was the be all and end all skill for minis. Basically, you'd put that on when everybody was in trouble and you could save the whole party using it at the right moment. It's not nearly as uh, impactful as it used to be, but um, lowering the cooldown significantly so you can have it up on a more frequent basis uh, down sound like it'll make it a lot more a lot more handy. Uh, there are a number of other items. Let me see anything else. Arrows that are deflected when I'll correctly display their arrow in flight, kind of ricocheting off. So as a guard, I hope I look like a disco ball with all kinds of arrows shooting out uh, from the sides as I move forward now. I have to keep an eye out for that. Um, they've revised some loot tables for stuff coming out of loot boxes and added some cosmetic items and other rewards to try to lure you into using your hard-earned mithril coins to buy keys. Uh, quest and adventure areas in general, they, they made a number of changes to the Anvil of Winterstith with which makes it sounds like it might be a little bit easier, uh, including additional checkpoint adjustments and uh, certain, certain things happening at certain morale levels of the boss. Uh, a little more adjusted to be a little more predictable and or uh, easier to weather. So it does sound like they've made a couple changes that'll make things a little more simple. Let me see what else. The new UI option to enable the texture cache, which I uh, talked about before, uh, which may improve texture load times at the cost of increased memory usage. So um, again, I think this is one where uh, you may or may not want to enable it depending on what's a bigger problem for you hitching and rubber banding or crashing to desktop for me it's crashing to desktop so i don't think i'm going to be using it uh and also for the minstrel several skill animations have been shortened leaving the instrument in your hand after using a skill so uh, such as raise the spirit bolster courage or quarter salvation so we may more appropriately appropriately demonstrate our instrument in our hand at the appropriate times during combat which certainly helps from a role-playing perspective when you're a minstrel so that's exciting as well we'll see if uh, my bassoon will sound like a bassoon anytime soon and not like a harp or a cowbell and with that that is the highlights of the latest release notes uh, aside from that, hopefully they're working on some major upgrades and uh, content releases to come to the game, which we'll be hearing about shortly. But in the meantime, let's move on to our fifth beacon of Minrimon. The original weekly sponsor segment this week's show is brought to you by Right Guardian Deodorant. When my pits are howling, I reach for Right Guardian so I don't get one-shotted by that nameless boss called Love. Right Guardian has the vitality to keep you standing all day long. So block, parry, and evade that underarm stink with Right Guardian. 
Also available, a mild, milder strength warden scent. <laughs> For the six beacon of Callanhad, on a bit more serious note, uh, I wanted to share with you, uh, I read an article that I found on Twitter this week that I retweeted from my account uh, about a European or UK-based boy with muscular dystrophy who had recently passed away. So I've seen stories in the past about in-game tributes to real-life figures, uh, both celebrities, for example, uh, Leonard Nimoy uh, when he passed away in Star Trek Online and there was a large gathering and memorial around the fountain and statue on Vulcan, as well as lesser-known and even unknown everyday people that pass away um, I've heard stories in the past about kinmates gathering in game and giving memorials for characters that they'd they'd known of uh, people that had passed away in game. As, and when you have a game that's been around as long as Lotro, those types of things will happen. Especially it has a bit of an older player base than a lot of uh, a lot of other games of this sort, based on the subject matter. But this one story had particular resonance with me. It's uh, in this instance, the boy was wheelchair bound for many years and did not attend a regular schooling because of that, because of his uh, physical disablement. And his parents never understood his gaming or why he spent so much time squirreled away in his basement room, always wanting to stay up late at night. Uh, when he did pass away, they struggled understanding whom they should inform about his death, uh, you know, in terms of friends and acquaintances. As it turns out, the boy had left the password to his blog and asked his father to make a post there about his passing. Uh, after a kinmate uh, in one of his uh, in-game had encouraged him, if something were to happen to him, to uh, you know find a way that his kinmates could be informed. So his father logged into his blog based on the instructions and um, made a brief post uh, announcing that he had uh, the circumstances around his passing and left his email for people to contact him. <coughs> Almost immediately, and for days after, uh, messages poured in from online friends mourning his passing. And it was really um, a revelation for his parents. They, they never understood the depth of his online community and what he had personally meant to those people and what those people had meant to him. Uh, he was a World of Warcraft player, and his kin were his friends, his closest circle of support, his support group. And that world was the world where he felt free to be his true self, he said, unbounded by the limitations of his physical illness. Uh, as it turns out, uh, when his kinmates discovered what had happened, many of them traveled from around the world to attend his funeral, uh, even pooling money for some of them that could not afford to do it so they could be there. Uh, one of the kinmates, you know, got up uh, and spoke during the memorial or remembrance and uh, said for those that you know could not attend, um, local memorials were being, being held around the world, both in and out of game at that very moment, uh, to celebrate the boy's life. So, you know, the article ends with the, f the parents' realization of, you know, uh, of the depth of the relationships that he'd had online and, and a little bit of sadness that they weren't quite as aware and or supportive of that aspect of his social life uh, and encourages those that have depths of relationships online to leave instructions for how those communities can be notified in terms of tragedy. 
so that those friends can have closure and not just the vacuum of suddenly never hearing again from someone that might be very important to them. And I think the parents, um, you know, were in the end, uh, you know, it was a wonderful experience for them to meet all these people that had such wonderful things to say about how important their son had been to them as a friend um, and as a, as a uh, you know, support group and uh, someone that they could open up to who had been kind of a key cog in the kin that everyone could always depend on and always everyone could always talk to. And it's really, uh, you know, an eye-opening for them and a joyful um, reveal of uh, this aspect of their son's life that they had not been familiar with. So it, it was a great article. Um, if you're interested in seeing the details, you can go out to my Twitter feed and uh, check uh, my tw- uh, my tweets from last week, uh, retweet of the article if you're interested in going and seeing the detail behind it. And a couple things to learn there as a parent, um, as a gamer myself, uh, and... Uh, certainly as uh you know as a human being about uh the importance of you know how some of these virtual worlds what they can mean to people in those kinds of circumstances i i think this is a kind of phenomena that's going to accelerate um rather than recede uh over years as virtual reality worlds uh become you know more and more significant and more and more technologically enabled and, and realistic so um interesting note and that uh, with that will bring us to our closing sorry we ran out of time to keep going we are at Halifurian it is time for blessed relief I can't wait I need heal now Ah, I'm officially slamming the door in the 96th episode of light the beacons four episodes left to number 100 I would love to hear your flaudits feedback, your flaudits, or your feedback, rants, diatribes, and most of all your constructive critique. You can contact me at bragsonofbalan at gmail.com. That's Bragg with two A's. The second A stands for art. Facebook or Twitter at bragsonofbalan or my website at lightthebeacons.com where you can post comments directly on the podcast. I kindly request you to take the time to create an iTunes review like Pom Air did. If perhaps your chance you're so inclined, I would very much appreciate it. And if your comments incite me to forsake my legendary dwarven lethargy, I will try to include them in the next podcast or at least respond in some way. I hope you laughed either at or with me. I hope you might have learned at least a little something you didn't know before, perhaps looked at the game with a slightly different perspective. And most of all, I hope you enjoy your week in Middle Earth. We're all privileged to be there. This is Bragg. This Tokian's world, we're just living in it. The son of Balan reminding you that if it ain't Baruch, don't fix it. But if, on the other hand, you can't remember of sliding down a particular section of the cliffs east of Lake Evendim toward the shoreline facing the island of Rantost will kill you or not, and you find out the hard way that it most certainly can, don't despair. Go ahead and light the beacons. Four episodes to 100, folks. As the great Willy Wonka once said, the suspense is terrible. I hope it will last. And uh, I guess next episode, I was going to wait for this, but I guess I can put out the call now. I can start to put out the call with four episodes to go. Um, If you've never written in before and you listen to the podcast, I would love to hear from you. I don't ask this often. I always am happy to receive comments. I'm happy to receive reviews. But, uh, you know, based on what I've seen, either I have a lot of bots visiting my podcast 
or there's a lot of people that listen that have never given me a shout out. So I would love to hear from you in advance of episode 100. I'm asking all the who's out there in Whoville to make a noise, a yip or a yap. Let me know you are here. We are here. We are here. We are here. And if there's anything about uh, episode 100 celebration that you would like to see, let me know that. If you have some favorite moments from the podcast of the past, let me know that. I'd love to highlight them. But most of all, I'd just like to know that you're out there and that you're still listening. So if you've never given a yip or a yap, uh, I am formally requesting that you do so. It's the only time I will in advance of episode 100. And uh, hoping to hear from a few of you that I might never have before. All right, folks. As I said, have a great week. Take care. Stay warm. And uh, peace.